I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech Athletics Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? Welcome, everybody. This is, um, it's one of those weeks where you're like, you know, I've seen the same thing in different formats on Twitter, so this is not like a super original thought, but after the last week we had, it's kind of cleansing to face an opponent that you have a mutual respect for. It's really nice. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's not going to be the weird emotional roller coaster of like, well, maybe, maybe there, there's some, some fans some content creators on the other side that I, I, I could get down with. And then for them to flip 180 and revert to their <laughs> bitch ass selves when they lose, like, nope, nope, I, I, I should have known better. Raging douche nozzles will always be raging douche nozzles. Looking at you, horns. All right. Yeah, I was about to say, we are not, we are not referring to our pur- purple brethren to the north. That is not at all who we're talking about. Win or lose, they've always been great. Yes. And let's be clear, it's been a while since since oh my they've taken an L from us every, Red Raiders. Every year we look up this stat, and every year it just astounds me even more. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it more later. But uh, it's pretty lopsided, guys. Pretty lopsided in favor of uh, of the, the Purple Wildcats. Purple Kansas. Uh, speaking of, we're going to ha- be joined this episode by Scott of the Bosco's Boys to help us preview Kansas State. They are a compatriot of ours on the sports drink network if you don't know bosco's boys you check them out they are they do some fantastic work up there covering the wildcats um do want to point out this is i I know we've talked about it before they had me on their preseason show last year and when it came to like project predicting texas tech they had the over under and they were looking at four and a half games and they all chuckled and took texas tech in the under and i was like hey Guys, remember remember when Texas Tech won seven games when you guys said under when it hit four and a half? Did yeah. you tell them about it? Did you clap back a little bit? No. Oh. No, okay. I like them. Anyways, we're gonna have that uh that preview, that little interview towards the end of our our, our preview section for the Kansas State game. Um 
But if you, you want to check them out, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll drop all their information so you can go, go find them. Obviously, if you're listening to us, you know that we are over on Twitter at 23Personnel, at Punts Suck. I feel like there was a little bit of uh, copyright infringement Saturday afternoon. Yeah. But uh, there's no copyright. We're just, we're going to be, we're going to be friends about it. But if Texas Tech wants something to do with Punts Suck, man, I'm, I'm open. I'm available. And Michael. <laughs> you, will, you will sell that handle quickly. For the brand, for this, yeah, anyways. And then Michael, at Michael underscore LBK. If the shows aren't enough, you can also catch us Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, the Rob Bro College Tailgate Show on Talk 103.9 FM here in Lubbock. You can stream it online, kkm.com, and on the Talk 103.9 mobile app. Combination of your favorite Texas Tech podcasting groups, us, 23 Personnel, and the Gambling Gauchos. Or as Rob likes to say, the gambling gauchos. Oh, it's so good. Love Every it. I, and I, I butchered it. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I just there's greatness in his his performance on that. Yeah, every it's, time. It's not you, man. It's no one else can do it. But wanted to remind everybody, as we do every week, that this episode of the 23 Personal Podcast, episode 299, so post game show on Saturday, show 300. Look for the look forward to that. This episode 299 brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. The rising tide lifts all boats. So go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org, open Instagram, and type in at sportsdrink. Spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out all right we've got week four wrap up give our final final thoughts on the texas game uh whether or not we want to see texas tech play the longhorns again i don't know where, where michael's at so it'll be interesting to get a perspective on preview the kansas state wildcats game this saturday saturday morning get to the preview from scott of bosco's boys we do have other topics to cover. Basketball practice started this week. Um, there was uh, some interesting movement on my radio career on Friday. Oh, that's right. And then yeah, wrap, you have to fill everybody well, in. I mean, if you follow us on Twitter, you already know. And then uh, wrap this up with what do we learn? So, Michael, you ready for some football? I am ready, man. Let's do it. Chuck <laughs> keeps himself. Escape and that picked off. Back to back turnovers and Waters running the other way. Back down the sideline. Touchdown. Kick six. 70 yards. Marquise Waters. Play fake. Finds Tharp again and he's in the end zone for his first collegiate touchdown. The deep ball down the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Texas Tech. Miles Price. 39 yards. Picked off at the 20-yard line. Smith to throw it. Has a man downfield. And Texas Tech finds the end zone. It's McLean Mannix. Brooks to the left side to the five. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Smith. Behind a little time. Throwing to the back of the end zone. Caught. 
tied at 38. Three seconds to go. 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into wow. it. It may be long enough. It is good. He's good. He's good. Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? Wow. All right. Michael, plenty of week four action, whether it's across the Big 12 or across the country. Man, let's uh, let's wrap. Let's do a quick wrap on the Texas game before we, we look anywhere else. OK. And I want to touch on on our podcasting compatriots over there, at the gambling gauchos. They said something that uh, resonated with me. I was like, you know what? That's 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 certainly true. And it's it's something that I think we've we've been missing or been looking for. Uh, as, as Tex Tech fans in a long time. In the lead era, I think a lot of us really, we we stayed engaged with games, with seasons, because it always felt like you were in games or that you had a shot. There was always uh, that feeling like it's not over till it's over, right? Uh, whether it was games when you were down by 31 points in a bowl game or uh, you're, you're punching up to a top five rated team, you're just like, man, yeah, I feel like we got a shot. Uh, in the past, you know, decade, haven't felt that, you know. Whether it was you kind of knew what the team was, like, okay, rush defense is going to fold halfway through the second quarter, and then f- from then on out, we're not going to be able to do anything. Um, or, man, we can move the ball all, all over the field through the year. We, we can't run it. Um, or there was... Um, you know, mentally, like this team is going to fold w- w- when when things get tough, right? And I think in every every aspect of that, that's changed since McGuire has taken over. That you don't feel like you're out of games. Um, you know, it certainly goes back to the brand. You're you're a mentally tough team that doesn't ever feel like you're out of it. You were down, uh, what was it, ten points at halftime. Uh, and I think you were down 14 points at one point in the second uh, second half this past week versus Texas. We know that Kingsbury record when he was down at half was like two and 30 or whatever it was, right? Yeah. Um, certainly not the sense, and not the case that you you get you've gotten so far this this season this era with with Joy McGuire, and it's refreshing, man, to not feel so deflated and defeated partway through a game. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. And and to know that, that there was something about it, he had that speech. Okay. He he had the speech that went after <clears throat> went after the game. Basically saying, you know, we knew they were gonna break and they did, and he said a couple other things. And the thing that pointed out to me, I mean, he didn't say anything super groundbreaking, but you could tell he believed it. And I think that's all it takes. Just the fact that what he was saying, he believed it and the players believed it and they feed off of that. And then they see him and he, you know, he goes through it and he goes, what was it? Six for eight on fourth down. Mm -hmm. He goes for it on fourth down eight times. And so they see it and they're like, coach is trying to win this game, you know, between him and Kitley. I'm not sure who it was exactly who decided, all right, we're going to kind of quit punting. I'm not sure when that decision came, you know, maybe. Because I know McNamara got a 
does, does can a punter get the yips? Is that a thing that can happen? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but anyway, he, he did have a good one after that 29 yarder or whatever that was, but I don't know if that had anything to do with it or what, or if it was just always in the game plan, but, um, you see that type of thing and players are going to play for you and that makes a crowd buy back into it. And that just, it, you feed off of it just as a complete and total fan base. I mean, it has so many effects, but back to what you were saying, apparently what the guy said too, I, I haven't had the chance to listen to him this week, but it's it's a different type of atmosphere um, around this program than what we've seen in, in quite a long time. And Leach's was a little bit more dysfunctional, kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, our lovable fun uncle who can get by with losing the kids at the theme park <clears> and then everyone's still going to love him because, uh, hey, they got home. Everybody's fine. We got a good story out of it. But, you know, McGuire's going to get all the kids to the theme park, but they're also going to have the best time ever, and they're all going to come home well-fed and, you know, never got lost or anything. So it, it's just kind of a different a different atmosphere achieving the same goal to where you feel like you've got that puncher's chance or that fighter's chance, whatever you want to call it, in just about any game. Yeah. To, to your point about McNamara, he punted twice this past weekend. Two punts, 85 yards with a long of 59. So he had a 59 yarder and a 26 yarder. 26. Okay. So I knew, I knew he booted the heck out of the second one. Uh, <laughs> but the first one was, was not so great. Uh, there's, I think this was, I don't know if it was on Twitter or a discord, but someone had the theory that he might've kind of got banged up after that roughing the kicker penalty. It's as good a theory as any. Yeah, maybe he, he's, he's shanked three since then you know, less than 40 yards. And that's just not like him the two of them less than 30. I think I'm just, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm talking so much about the punter. What else did you want to talk about? Hey man, for, punts for suck. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Take it back, um, man. That's yours. It goes back to the video preseason or after week one, when Kitley walks in the room and he, he's going to McNamara. He's like, Hey man, nobody's coming to see you play except for your mom and the opposite team. Yep. Um, Offensively, let's let's do a quick wrap on the offense. I think one thing some people are, are, are bemoaning or complaining about a little bit is that this offense isn't as is, explosive, not going downfield. Uh, and I, I I couldn't tell you whether or not that was um you know a read situation where that's what Donovan Smith is seeing. I don't know if that's the plays that are being called uh, where Kitley recognizes the strengths uh, and and the grasp of the offense that Smith has is like we're gonna we're gonna keep everything intermediate and rely on playmakers either break tackles or just keep drives alive. Um, but you know what? It's been effective. Uh, you know, you've had this past weekend, you had, what was it, like six drives of 10 plays or more? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six drives of 10 plays or more, 18-yard scoring touchdown, scoring drive in and in a touchdown, almost eight minutes of time off the clock. Second drive, 13 plays, five minutes uh, 15 plays, four and a half minutes, 10 play. And this was, this was crazy. 10 plays, only two and a half minutes. <laughs> you went fast on 10 plays. Um, you had a 13 play drive that ended at the goal line. Um, then 11 play 56 yarder, five minutes, uh, there to kick the field goal to take the lead, uh, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'd, Sure, explosive is exciting, but effective is much better. 
just moving the chains, getting the ball down the field. I think we're seeing exactly what you said. I think this is an adjustment because just the number of targets that Sparkman got this week versus last week, I think it dropped by 10. I, I swear he was targeted 14 times in Raleigh and they just could not get the ball to him. They could not get on the same page. He was only targeted four times this week. It's 17 uh, times to miles price. Yes, exactly. So you're, you're two big receivers. Well, I mean, miles price was above and beyond anybody else. 13 catches, 17 targets, but then your tight ends had the second most number of targets and receptions. Your tight ends were targeted, uh, nine, nine times, times. Yeah nine times and had five catches. So I think there was something obviously kind of driven home over the last week of, Hey, these guys are either open or, um, you you know, maybe he was just missing them being open or maybe he's worked with them better on, on finding them. Or maybe it was just something that Texas lacks in. Maybe that was a, a hole in the defense that they saw on the tape and they took advantage of, but either way, you're exactly right. Yeah. They're, Sure, it's not going to be as explosive when you're not completing 35-yard in-the-air passes you know, to, to Sparkman or Fungi every other play. But if you move the chains, I don't think anyone cares, or they shouldn't really, unless you run out of time. Because I don't know. I just can't imagine a world in which an offense scores as effectively as they did this week. Um, their only two fourth-down stuffs resulted in – the defense then forcing a either their own fourth down stuff or a punt just really, like I said, in the instant reaction, complimentary football. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and one other thing, I, I, I think we, we just need to touch on it because we coming into the season, as we were previewing what the DeRuder defense was going to look like. And we talked about uh, how they, how he funnels everything in the middle of the defense and your middle linebacker is just going to be a stud. Man, Krishan Merriweather could not have been more perfectly built for this position. He's led your team in tackles four weeks in a row. Um, just ridiculous on the, on the season. Eight total tackles on Saturday. Seven solo. Had a forced fumble there in the first play of overtime. W- where would we be without Merriweather, man? I don't know. He's he's standing guys up. He If, if he's in the area and you're running back, he's going to bring you down. Um, you know, there's a chance Deuce Vaughn is, is a guy that could possibly juke him and, and give him some trouble and could get into the secondary, but it's going to be really hard for him to do that. But Deuce is Deuce first name. Vaughn is really impressive. So this will, this will be an interesting test because he's, he's more elusive than Houston was. Uh, and by Houston, I mean the running back for NC state. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn's a completely special guy and he's the leading rusher in the big 12. Um, He's yeah, even above Bijan Robinson, and I think I think he does have quite a few more attempts, but it's still it doesn't matter. He's also five seven. Yeah, uh, Merriweather is actually tied for the lead in team tackles, uh, twenty seven with Tyree Wilson. I was a little surprised to see he had just as many tackles as, as Merriweather did. Kosai Eldridge, the other inside linebacker, of this defense there in third or yeah th- third on the team in tackles with eighteen. So, all right. Um, special teams. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just going to chalk it up to just believing now that McGuire and or Kenny Perry just want to have the opportunity to return a kick. I think they think that there's something there. Um, 
I think they're, they're, they're obviously smart individuals, right? Like they're not, uh, they, they know obviously what it looks like to be aggressive on, on, on fourth down. Like they, they, they're looking at stats and advanced metrics on some level that I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume and give them the benefit of the doubt. That also includes some, some analysis on what it looks like to fair catch a kickoff. I, I believe they're just choosing to return kicks to spark the offense and see if they can, uh, you know, break a big one or, or, you know, get great field position because, uh, you just haven't seen it happen. Uh, at least consistently, there's probably been a small handful of, of fair catches on, on the kickoffs, but, um, other special teams, Trey Wolf, my goodness, uh, just the bounce back he's had from you know a couple years ago when he had the yips and was basically replaced and had Garibay who came in was all world last year, but then to come in this year, um, and even like mid season like you know he had that miss early this season but it doesn't seem to phase him. Uh, he talked about it. One of the first kicks of the game went out of bounds, um, and he just said you know what's next, which I think is a, is a fantastic kind of mantra this team has of just being mentally tough, just to take whatever comes next. So it's like. Hey, the kick went out of bounds. That's obviously not ideal, but we can't dwell on it. We we have to have to go now and figure out what to do next. So, yeah, and and Price debuting him as a punt returner. Uh, I think he did return a couple of punts last year, and he's averaged. I mean, last year it was exactly two punts. It's almost it's almost the same. So, two punts last year for thirty-seven yards. Two punts against Texas for 38 yards. Uh, so he, he is impactful back there. Maybe the, the key was just finding the right guy to return the punts, the kickoff things. I, I'm still going to, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, when tech takes one to the house, then I'll, you know, I will shut up, but they haven't yet. Um, and, and their field position has rarely been above the 25, I know I'm beating a dead horse. I'll stop. But the punt return game, maybe that's all it was. They just got price in there. Maybe they were reluctant to do that because he's a restarting receiver. He's very important to the team, especially in that game, you know, catching 13 balls. So it's not somebody that you want to get hurt returning punts, but if he's that effective and if we're going to talk about McGuire, you know, in the same vein of having that puncher's chance and that mentality, this is probably part of it. And we just may learn to live with it. This, if, if he's going to be aggressive, which is what he said, those are, you know, this is how he wants to play the, the return game that we've got to take him for his word. And, and we're starting to see results. And if we continue to see results, I will continue to, to shut my mouth. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on, on a couple big plays. Uh, I, I think we've kind of covered the men, mental toughness aspect, big plays. We'll touch on miles price specifically that fourth quarter, that catch and run up the sideline to really get things moving for that, to set that field goal. Um, it's fantastic. Just that, that find across the middle and then for him to make that, that move and, and, and get, get the edge and then get up field. Um, I thought, I thought it was interesting, fascinating that Kitley basically called the same concept uh, that Texas scored their first touchdown on when they leaked the running back out. They, they cleared the left side of the field of receivers. Their receiver on the left side ran more of a crossing route. 
uh, and, and made some space and threw behind him. And then, then he picked up some other receivers in front of him. Uh, Kitley did the, the exact same thing on Tech's second t- touchdown. Cleared out the, the left side, had Brooks leak out, uh, and caught the pass in the flat and then took off running with nobody in front of him. Uh, I thought it was fascinating. Just really interesting that he said, you know what? It worked against us. We'll, we'll do it against you guys too. Um, we talked about Merriweather forcing the fumble in overtime. We've seen some things on social media about how B. John Robinson's walking around campus holding a football. That I just, that I, seems more like... He shouldn't take it that hard. Well, that, but also... It, it, that, that also feels kind of like little showmanship there like you know he's putting on a show or something i i, I that run me the wrong way yeah it, it, it kind of is taking it away from well i guess it's not but it was just a great hit um and it was a a perfectly executed hit so i i just i don't know why he's taking it that hard on himself whatever it's fine it's and then your fault and then that uh that run by sir Roderick thompson it may have been the the first play of, of our overtime ran left uh, to get the ball inside the 10 uh, really setting up the success there in, in overtime with that, that being able to get down there on the goal line um, that, that play call uh, with Morton coming in as a tight end and, or as a receiver was a was an eligible receiver was, was open. Cause I think the defense was so keyed in on trying to stop uh, Donovan Smith um, from running it in, could have flipped it to him like for a receiving touchdown. Uh, just just to to kind of drive the nail in the coffin there uh, without having to rely on on a, a, sh- a short kick, a short field goal with with that weird angle. Uh, but Donovan slipped. I don't know if it's his cleats, if it's his shoes. I don't. <laughs> he's had a couple issues trying to get around the corner on this field and, and, and slipping on, on fourth downs too, or not, sorry, th- that play w- was on fourth down, but on key short yardage situations, he's got the ball, he's going around the edge and then he slips. Do you think this might be the final nail in the coffin for under armor? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, because they, whoever it was, uh, that had the shoes for, um, what's his face with the Pelicans. Seem to bounce back. The pel- who? What? <laughs> What's his fate? What? The the guy that played for Duke, all world. He went the NBA. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh blew my God. out his shoes and like rolled his ankle or hurt his knee because his shoe exploded on him. Well, he he's kind of a rare case. What's his that name? Is a lot of force. What's his name? Oh, it's killing me. It's what? killing me that I don't know. It's absolutely killing me that I don't know, but I know exactly what you're talking about. All right, I'm gonna look this up real quick. Right, Anyways, look it up. I'll do the I'll do the week five look ahead while you look that up because it's it's gonna kill us both and, and everyone's screaming. Zion right Williamson. Now. There it is. Jeez. Gosh. Uh, wait, I can't get out of our basketball talk. We're gonna have later on is gonna be very brief because I, I am hard nosed, stuck in football, and I can't get out of it. Um. Okay, Saturday, as all of you know, Texas Tech will face K-State 11 a.m. on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus because that makes a lot of sense. This is a freaking Kansas, hate that. Kansas State is a ranked opponent now, so Tech will, place, will play their fourth ranked opponent in a row 
don't laugh. I know Houston almost lost to Rice at home, but it still counts. Four ranked opponents in a row uh, will be six unless something crazy happens against Oklahoma State. But even then, they'd probably still be in the top 25. But whatever. Uh, Texas Tech plays Kansas State, 11 a.m. OU at TCU is 11 a.m. is on ABC for some unknown freaking reason. I'm not sure why anyone thought that was a good idea. Iowa State at Kansas, 2.30. That's going to be pretty good. I haven't seen the line on this. I need to look into it later. Um, I might have to take Kansas. I wonder if they're dogs <laughs> at home. Definitely would probably take them if they're dogs at home. They've got to be. There's no way they're going to be favored against Iowa State. Anyway, uh, Oklahoma State at Baylor, 2.30. So we've got four games um, two at 11, two at two 30. Also great scheduling West Virginia at Texas, six 30. That's on FS one. I love it. Um, I love that Oklahoma state and Baylor are on Fox and then Texas is on FS one. That does kind of make me feel a little bit better that Texas on ESPN plus, but still I'm not sure why two, three and one big 12 teams would with very similar, I don't, I don't know how I want to say it. Probably similar personnel as far as in talent. Definitely different philosophies. We'll get into that later. I don't know why people wouldn't want want to be given more opportunities to watch that game, but I am, and always will be a Red Raider. So that's probably part of why I feel that way. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to pull up um, some lines for this weekend. The Oklahoma TCU, <laughs> fascinating. Uh, on the road, Oklahoma opened as a four-point favorite. That line has moved almost three points. They're now six and a half, which I felt was like the four points was low, but that swing of two and a half points was was pretty severe. It's um, pretty quick too. This is Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, a, it's a pretty quick swing. <laughs> other big movers, uh, not that anybody cares. Purdue, Minnesota, Minnesota opened as a seven and a half point favorite. You can get them as 12 and a half point favorites in some books. Ooh. Um, sticking in the big 12 though. Let's continue to find all these 11 a.m. games. Uh, Iowa state. Yeah. Kansas is a three and a half point home dog, which is wild okay. to say that it's only three and a half points. Can they get to five wins? Can they total the past like four years of football through the first five weeks of the season? That would be insane. Can they get to five and zero? I, I, it may bite me in the butt later, but man, I'm take them, man. I, I'm glad that I'm glad that no, not just that, but I'm just glad that Kansas is. It, it's it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun for them to always be bad, um, but man, it's it's even more fun for them to be good. I think because then everyone is on edge. <laughs> Every single team is on edge. Was there any overlap when Kansas and like, sorry, was there overlap when, when Baylor and Kansas were bad? I don't think so. I kind of, I, well, you know, cause Kansas was bad in the early two thousands, right? Yeah. And then they, they, they probably peaked 2007. Yeah. I was, I thought you were about to say, I don't think there's any overlap when the, when they've both been good. No, but I, I I meant like 
when when you and I were going to school, like the easy dub on the schedule was always Baylor. Like you looked forward to playing Baylor because oh, they were just horrid. Yes, terrible. absolutely, it was Baylor. And the past few years, it's been Kansas. But I was like, I don't, I don't remember there being any overlap. Because I, I think, I think Kansas had a, 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 it wasn't like a steep decline, but it wasn't like very, very gradual. Uh, but they went from getting, you know, Orange Bowl two thousand seven to going winless in, in just a few years. But I think that also kind of lined up when Baylor had hired Bryles. Uh, what was that? Two thousand eight. Uh, that seems about seven right. or I eight. Can't remember if, yeah, because I don't think Browse was on the sidelines when Tech went to Houston in 09. I don't think he was there. Yeah, so it may have been. Maybe he was. Ugh, he had to matter. be there at least in 2008 because he brought RG3 with him from Houston. And he was there in that game in 2008. So I think that may have been their first season together at Baylor. 2008. Um. Yeah, because I, I think I think Kansas was still decent when you played them in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Anyways, um, fascinating that that line is only three and a half points. A lot, way too many, way too much talk on Kansas there. Um, basically a pick 'em, although well, it it opened up as a point and a half. It's now up to two and a half in some spots. With Wow. So sorry, I'm 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 trying to do some math here real quick. Oklahoma State opened as a point and a half favorite on the road in Waco. Since then, however, you can get Baylor as up to two and a half point favorites at home. Oh wow. 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 That's a pretty good shift. I mean, I, th- I think points. I'd be leading on the, the pokes on this one. Yeah. Fade the steam, as Kyle likes to say. <laughs> um, any anywhere else? West Virginia, Texas. West Virginia, Texas. There it is. Texas opened as a nine and a half point favorite. You can get them up to ten and a half. Um, I don't know if that feels that game. That game feels odd, but like low. But you're also like you're just not really sure where either team is at, right? Because like Texas, are they on? Are they teetering? Are they about to break and just collapse? Probably less likely than West Virginia just, you know, being a fraud. <laughs> when West Virginia is coming off a bye week, I don't know what that means. It could mean something. But so. Texas is at home. They played Alabama really close at home. That I don't know. Maybe home home means more this this year. Yeah. So you got just these two last weeks before you hit your own bye week. Uh, you did see that the o- Oklahoma State game set for 2.30 next weekend on Fox or FS1. A- again, I, I absolutely hate that a almost ranked game, at least one of the teams is ranked, conference, Big 12 conference game is going to be streaming only. ESPN Plus for Texas Tech and Kansas State. Kansas State doesn't seem to understand how terrible ESPN plus broadcast for football is I'm, I've tried to I've tried to share with Scott. I was like, look, man, it may have been week one issue. It may, it may just be because like ESPN plus just sucks, but camera work production, the score bug was wrong. The score was missing down and distance was missing. Uh, replays were cutting in over active action. The talent in the booth was all like every literally everything you pointed at. There was something wrong with it. 
It's like, and we get to deal with that with a Big 12 conference game. This isn't 2005, right, where only part of your schedule is on the on TV, and you're kind of lucky, like, oh man, it's, this is on like Fox Sports Southwest. <laughs> we're yeah, we're going to be plus. okay. There was right. a, there was this Fox Sports Southwest Plus too. This is 2022. Every everything is on, you know, the main networks. You don't even get like conference basketball games on ESPN Plus. Some on ESPNU, but I, I, I'm trying to remember if that was just some non-conference games. Anyways, I hate it. It's going to be awful. Um, what I don't hate though, this matchup, I think with the Kansas state Wildcats, it, it really hinges for me. And I'm just going to jump right into it is on which Adrian Martinez you're going to see until this past weekend. It was like Adrian Martinez, who like what, what I don't understand. Um, this is who they wanted. I, maybe it's a self preservation thing or just like just to, to boost up my own, my own opinion of Texas tech in this game. It's kind of unfortunate that like this game would be kind of the, the one that sets like was the OU game a trend or is the OU game an outlier, right? Adrian Martinez, if you didn't know, has been horrendous. In the first three games of the season passing for like a hundred yards running for 50. Everything was real close. Uh, nothing downfield, no big plays just kind of conservative um, to the point where like they lost last week at home versus Tulane. They scored 10 points in like the second quarter. They they only scored in like the second quarter. Yeah. Their offense, they were two for 15 on third down and one for five on fourth. Yeah. They were going for it for fourth down against Tulane. That's how it was going in Manhattan a couple weeks ago. But then this past weekend, on the road in Norman against Oklahoma, dude threw for 250, ran for 150, had five touchdowns that he was responsible for, four on the ground. And you're like, man, if that's the Adrian Martinez that they're going to get, like, okay, Kansas State's going to move back into that contender realm. But you just don't know if that's that's who he is or if, like, for whatever reason, if it's Kansas State getting up for Oklahoma, which they have typically done, if this is a you know, just emotional game and they were, they just all bought in. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll find out more. Like if it was a trend, if, if this is who Adrian Martinez is going to be, or if he just played out of his mind for one game and there's going to be either an emotional letdown or he was just, they were, you know, the team was amped up, including Adrian Martinez for that game in Norman. Um, so far this season, 34, zero versus South Dakota, 40 to 12 versus Missouri. That's, that one was a little, little interesting and strange for me. 10, they lost 10, 17 to 10 versus Tulane. And this past weekend, 41, 34 at Oklahoma. It was, it was a two score game. Oklahoma scored with like 30 seconds left and then went for the onside kick. Um, really were able to extend that out a little bit and it finished closer than, uh, than the score would actually indicate. Um, Michael mentioned this will be Texas Tech's fourth ranked opponent in a row. Uh, and then we'll get Oklahoma State next week. So you get five. Um, Texas Tech, don't look at the last 11 games there. One in 10 against the Wildcats. Last win in Manhattan was 2008. 
Hey, and you know what? We just broke an 08 streak this weekend. So that could be a, a thing. Could be last, a thing. Last win against Texas was an 08 in Lubbock, at least. Unsurprisingly, this team leads the, the conference in rushing. Uh, 248 yards a game. Um, interestingly enough, M- Michael actually found this stat out. They are ninth in the conference in rushing defense, giving up 151 yards a game on the ground. Um, and again, if you're going to lead the offense in rushing, you're probably not going to be doing too well in passing. They are 10th, dead last in passing offense in the Big 12. Only 145 yards a game, but have the number two passing defense where they surrender 193 yards per game. Yeah, and that's that kind of floored me because against Oklahoma, I mean, one, we wanted to talk about the, the two different Adrian Martinez's we might see. Are you going to see the two for 15 on third down offense that you saw versus Tulane? Or are you going to see the eight for 17 on third down offense and two for two on fourth down offense that you saw in Norman? But the other thing you saw in Norman was a secondary that allowed 330 passing yards and four touchdowns. And I don't know how this is the number two passing defense in the conference, even after that game. But, uh, you know, I saw that and I saw the highlights and I watched part of that game live, went back and watched some of some more of it preparing for the podcast. And there were just there's some wide open spaces out there. And I don't know if that was just a fluke. Um, OU's always been known for offense, but of course, whole new regime there. So who knows? But um, that, that kind of leaves me some hope seeing how Smith has gelled with these receivers in the midfield, just kind of, I mean, all the receivers and how well he's, he's kind of uh, been able to get them the ball, at least against Texas. And we might be able to see that open up a little bit in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, Going back to Adrian Martinez really really quickly. I mean, if, 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 if you need some stats to back up what we're saying about the first three games, Passing versus South Dakota, 11 of 15 versus Missouri, 9 of 20. Tulane, 21 of 31. They were they were playing from behind a little bit more. And then Oklahoma, they were 21 of 34. So 62 of 100 on the season, so 62% completion. 538 yards on the season. Two passing touchdowns. The longest passing play they've had this season is 28 yards. Yeah, two if, passing touchdowns, and I don't think he threw one of them. Yeah, if oh no wait yeah I did yeah I did he threw one sorry if they're beating you deep my goodness something's going wrong um, now in terms of on the ground the, Martinez himself uh, again the first three games you're like man I'm I'm not really worried about him 13 carries 39 yards 13 carries 52 yards 13 carries 59 yards and then for some whatever reason I don't know if uh, you know Venables was like we're not going to put a spy on him or if he was just playing out of his mid of his mind 21 carries 148 yards four touchdowns four touchdowns and of those 21 carries at least two or three of them were on completely back-breaking third and super longs yeah that the, the biggest one, fourth and long in there too i mean he was he was killing them at the absolute worst moment to be a sooner fan in that moment was probably just really awful and i love it well, I, I'm I'm kind of cringing seeing what may may happen to Texas Tech. Although we've we've been pretty decent about defending the run. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like one of his biggest runs it was third and sixteen. They're in the fourth quarter, just a few minutes left. If Oklahoma is able to contain them, force a a, a punt or whatever, because they weren't in, they were 
who were on the Kansas State side of the midfield. And third and 16, they just couldn't get off the field. He breaks off a 55-yarder down inside the the five to set them up for that last rushing touchdown that he had. Um, just like you said, absolute backbreaker. Um, obviously, we, we're, we're well aware of Deuce Vaughn, 5'6", 175, Big 12's leading rusher uh, so far this year. 87 carries, almost 500 yards, five and a half yards a carry and three touchdowns. Uh, does... Catch a few passes, 12 so far in this season for 49 yards. Uh, he's number two on the team in receptions with 12. I mean, when they, I mean, obviously they're not attempting a lot of passes, but it's it's pretty well spread out. Uh, had 25 carries at Oklahoma for 116 yards, four and a half yards per carry. So that doesn't that doesn't scream like, oh man, he was a difference maker. It really was Adrian Martinez because uh, those numbers are pretty similar to what you saw from B. John Robinson. I think Robinson is a far better back than Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn is just different in that he's small and shifty and just so fast. Uh, on the outside, Malik Knowles, 6'3", 200 wide receiver, 200-pound wide receiver, 14 catches so far this year, 144 yards, and just one touchdown. That was last week versus Oklahoma. Uh, another receiver to keep an eye on, Phillip Brooks, 5'7", 170, 11 catches, 120 yards, uh, seven catches last week at Oklahoma, 56 yards. And then yeah, he he only had four catches in, until going to Norman, and then they hit him a lot. So I don't know if it's kind of like a Miles Price thing where they realized, man, we gotta we gotta get this guy the ball. And speaking of receptions, they're they're to go back on the passing offense being number ten in the Big Twelve. Malik Knowles had fourteen receptions on the year. Miles Price had thirteen Saturday. Just to give you an idea of how much they're going to run. Run the dang ball. They're going to run the heck out of it. Adrian Martinez is is ninth in the Big 12 on rushing. He's the ninth leading rusher in the in the, in the conference. Yeah. So they've got two in the top ten. And then their uh, H-back, their tight end, Ben Sinat, 6'4", 259 catches, 102 yards. Uh, had four catches, so he only had five in the first three games, then four on Saturday. Uh, 80 of his 102 yards came this past weekend. So when Tex Tech has the ball, we can expect about 360 passing yards, seven and a half yards per attempt. That number dropped. It's continued to drop a little bit as, as it's been a little more conservative and, and kind of measured as, as Tex Tech moves down the field. Uh, 113 rushing yards per game at three and a third yards per carry. And they're converting at 33% on third downs, scoring 37 points per game. Whereas the Kansas State defense is allowing 193 passing yards. We mentioned that's the second best. Uh, passing defense in the, in the conference at only 5.9 yards per attempt. Um, flip side, though, they give up a ton of yards on the ground, 151 yards at more than four yards per carry, 4.2 yards per carry. They are good at, at slowing uh, teams down from staying on the field and converting, only allowing teams 26% conversion percentage on third down and allowing only 16 points per game. And when Kansas State has the ball, like we've already kind of mentioned, it's kind of going to be the, the opposite. They're going to run, or they're going to throw for 145 yards, five and a half yards per attempt. Uh, very short, intermediate stuff. If and when they're going to drop back to throw one, you want to see some some pressure, uh, containment at least. Don't let Martinez get out. Don't give him time to to look downfield if if you can, uh, because so far this season they're looking short and underneath, uh, and haven't found a whole lot of success. Outside of outside this past weekend versus Oklahoma, 248.3 yards per game on the ground, five and a half yards per carry. 
Their offense, however, is only converting 32% of their third downs, scoring 31 points per game. Texas Tech is on defense giving up 228 passing yards per game at 7.8 yards per attempt, um, which is just a little bit more yards per attempt than what the Texas Tech offense is is completing, but about 150 fewer yards. Uh, 99.5 yards per game on the ground at just under 3 yards per carry, 2.9. And that one actually took a pretty big uh, jump up after this past weekend. Uh, it was a little bit, a little bit lower before facing Robinson, uh, 30 and a half percent third down conversion percentage that the Texas tech defense allows, uh, and only giving up 25 points per game. Um, so with that, Michael, I think we're going to, we're going to throw it over to Scott from the Bosco's boys, get his perspective on it. And then we'll come back, wrap it up our preview for the the Kansas State Wildcats game, give our predictions, score predictions, uh, and then wrap up this episode. Hello. Hello, my friends who support that university in Lubbock, Texas, the most underrated college town, I think, maybe in America, because I've only been there once, but I had an absolute blast when I was in Lubbock, Texas. And I'm a massive fan of the work you guys put in on Twitter. My name is Scott Wildcat, the host of the Bosco's Boys podcast, along with my dog, Chauncey, the K-State podcast in the Sports Drink Network. I'm here to give you guys a little preview of what I think is maybe low-key the most slept-on historic game in the Big 12. Remember, it was Texas Tech, the best-smelling, the best-looking, the richest group of alumni coming over from the Southwest Conference playing K-State, the most attractive, the richest, the best-smelling fan base from the Big 8. And we kicked things off all the way back in 2000, or 1996. Woof. The good old 1990s. And I hope that we're playing until 2096 and beyond. K-State's coming off of a big upset win down in Norman, Oklahoma, but should it have even been an upset? Sure, we are coming off a loss versus Tulane, Oklahoma, top 10, blah, 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 blah. Chris Kleiman, 3-1 versus Oklahoma in his four years at K-State. K-State has won four out of the last six in Norman, Oklahoma. K-State has a winning record in Norman, Oklahoma over the last three years or 30 years. I was in the stadium. I was pumped. I was going crazy. Yes, it was an upset, but it was a big one. We finally get to see Adrian Martinez be the type of quarterback we all hoped we would see. We got to see the defense make big plays when it counted. It was just about everything we could have hoped for. You know, the Adrian Martinez, through the first four games, we've seen... Uh, everything except for the turnovers. You know, we, we, we've seen him be a game manager in those first two games. We've seen him struggle to get plays when we desperately needed it in that two-lane game. And then we see him look like a Heisman contender versus Oklahoma. Now, the, the reason why this is different than the Adrian Martinez folks probably saw at Nebraska is he's not turning the ball over. He's still allowing the playmakers to make plays because he doesn't have to put the team on his back. And we still had a big performance from Deuce Vaughn. 
We still had a big performance from Ben Sennett, our H-back. We have other guys who can do it. Now, it's a lot more fun when your quarterback's doing it. But he knew he didn't have to force things. He knew he didn't have to be Superman to win the game versus Oklahoma. And I think that allowed him to kind of mesh the two personalities. Hey, he couldn't be just a game manager. He couldn't turn the ball over and play like a wild, crazy man like we we saw at times at Nebraska because he doesn't need to do that. But So we saw the best of both worlds. Can he keep it going? I have no idea, but I sure hope it does. I, I, I kind of attribute that wild swing, at least on offense, to finding that happy medium. Because I think Adrian Martinez was told time and time and time again, ever since he committed to K-State, that all you have to do is not turn the ball over. And I think he was just playing way too conservative versus Tulane. He had to sit down with the coaches. They say, hey, look, you need to cut it loose a little bit. You're the, you're the type of player we want. Don't worry about it. If you make a mistake, don't worry about it. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't turn the ball over. So he, he was able to find that happy medium. I, I at least think on offense, a lot of it had to do with that those conversations that Coach Klein, Coach Kleiman had with him to say, hey, we need you to turn it up. We need you to ball out just a little bit. We need you to just let it ride a little bit. So I'm hoping they can keep that balance, keep that perfect uh, connection going rest of the season. Because, boy, when, when he's playing with that swagger, when he's cutting loose a little bit, not turning the ball over, he is a fun guy to watch. It is interesting to have Colin Klein, as you guys remember him, uh, be your offensive coordinator. Because, again, the offensive coordinator, I feel like almost at every level of football, every place is the most hated guy on the coaching staff. And his name just went up on the stadium in the Ring of Honor. He was a Heisman candidate. After the bowl game, everyone was loving him. I wasn't someone who hated Courtney Messingham, and I was weary about bringing on Coach Klein as the offensive coordinator because I don't want him to be hated. I don't want him to be a hated figure. And and the week leading into the Oklahoma game was rough because the Tulane game was very rough on offense. Um. So I'll be honest that you know I don't like it I I don't uh, but but the upside is is if he is a successful offensive coordinator there's nothing quite like rooting for cheering on one of your own and him being successful I just hope he continues to be successful I hope the offense performs like the LSU game like the Oklahoma game like the Missouri game uh, at points at points because even the Missouri game wasn't too hot um. But, but I hope it stays like that because it, it was a miserable week having to be critical of one of your own legends and seeing all the stuff said about your own legends. I think everyone knows the guys to watch for uh, at K-State. On offense, Deuce Vaughn, Adrian Martinez. You know, Deuce Vaughn, you know, had the game-clinching touchdown versus Texas Tech in the 2020 game. He had big plays versus you guys in the comeback bid last year. He is that guy. Even in games where you're like, oh man, what did Deuce Vaughn do? You look down, 120 yards rushing. Now he didn't get into the end zone versus Oklahoma, but he had a couple big plays. He's going to make at least one or two of your linebackers and secondary players look silly, but he's got a guy to watch. Already talked about Adrian Martinez. On the defense, 
You guys know him, Felix and DK Uzama. That that play he made to get the safety is what turned the game around. And I think our two seasons last year went totally different directions. He is that guy on defense. Eli Huggins, the nose guard, also very good. Daniel Green can go sideline to sideline at linebacker. Then Echo Boydo, Julius Brents, boundary corners. We have a lot of newcomers on safety, and they've all played well. I think the defensive player of the year so far is Kobe Savage, the safety who came in from Tyler Community College. So those are some of the guys to keep an eye on. Uh, keys for K-State, it's, it's, it's going to be forcing turnovers, which we did it versus Oklahoma. Before the Oklahoma game, we were forcing turnovers on 22% of our opponent's possessions. So it's going to be forcing turnovers and, again, just letting Adrian and Deuce cook. If you can get them in a rhythm, we, we saw what could happen versus Oklahoma. So those are going to be the two major keys, forcing turnovers and letting Adrian and Deuce cook, which, again, the least original keys for a victory ever. I realize that. Final score prediction. You know, I'm going to have K-State winning. We have Texas Tech's number. Uh, don't go look at the Winspedia page if I were you guys. Just don't do that. Don't do that. But I, it's going to be – this is a game that I'm a lot more worried about than I was when the season started. Uh, this was one of the games I felt most confident in. But uh, you guys under Joey McGuire have really surprised me so far this season. You even cost me a little bit of money uh, beating Houston because sports betting is legal up here in the great state of Kansas. So if you're if you're making me do a score, I'm gonna go with K State 31, Texas Tech 24. You know it's hanging around that number uh, of seven, and I think you know I I've seen it as low as six. I've seen it as high as eight and a half. The over-under, anywhere between 55 and 60. Everything's very fluid early in the week. That's my prediction. Uh, we'll see. Uh, real quick, also, you know, the game being played on ESPN+, Plus. I think it's garbage. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not willing to say there's any sort of conspiracy to try to keep K-State and Texas Tech off of, you know, better TV locations uh, to artificially keep viewership low. I'm not going to go that far. But what I will say is I think K-State and Texas Tech fans are passionate. That's going to drive subscribers to ESPN Plus and watch. Um, So I don't like it. I don't think there's any conspiracies there. Um, But it is what it is. Uh, Big 12 expansion also I'm being asked to touch on. Look, I'm going to miss playing Oklahoma and Texas. I'm, I'm I'm not going to turn my nose up. I'm not going to try to minimize any of that. But what I am going to say is the, the teams I enjoy playing most, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, KU, we're still going to get to play those teams. I'm excited to see Cincinnati in the Big 12. I'm excited to see Central Florida in the Big 12. I don't I don't really know about Houston. I I don't know about that one. But I'm I'm excited for BYU on the field. I there, there's some weird stuff going on in Provo on occasion. But I'm excited. I'm excited to visit all of these places. And really, I'm I'm just excited that K-State still gets to continue to play, you know, three of the original Big 8 teams. And then again, Texas Tech, the team we kicked off this crazy, crazy experiment called the Big 12 with. 
It'll be interesting to see if we take any of these schools from the Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever they're calling themselves. Uh, it'll be something I'm watching. Um, but ultimately, for the deck, for the for the hand that was dealt to the Big 12, I, I feel like every time we have faced the adversity and we've found the best possible solution coming out of it. I hope we get to play each other for another 100 years. Not another. I want to play Texas Tech for 100 years from now. I want to always play you guys. I always have fun playing you guys. I hope you guys do as well. Please slide in my DMs. Tweet at me if you're going to be in the game at Manhattan. Uh, And that's all I have. I'm sure I went longer than you guys wanted to hear. But again, I'm a sicko who has his own podcast. So what do you guys expect? All right. So we want to thank Scott for joining us. Always a great interview. Um, If you don't already know, you need to check out. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott Wildcat. He's with the Bosco's Boys podcast. You can follow them at Bosco's Boys. It's B-O-S-C-O-E-S Boys. They do weekly shows. They're going to be live on Spotify Wednesday evenings. Catch them over there as they do their their preview show with their fans. Fantastic production. But, Michael, let's get to the the, the, the predictions here. Um in my prediction, we, we, we traded off audio with, with them. Uh, we were very similar. I'm going to go ahead and go first. I'm going to take Texas Tech to cover here, um, but there's just enough things up in the air that I, I need to see first. You know, Does this offense travel? Does the Texas Tech offense travel? The first game we saw on the road uh, against a, a disruptive defense just wasn't your game, right? Uh, it was probably a combination of playing Tony Gibson and him having all that experience against – uh, Kingsbury and Kitley style offense, uh, first road game of the year, first you know one of the first big road atmospheres for Donovan Smith to play in, or at least this year. Um, and then you know unsure about what kind of offense we're going to see for, from Kansas State, right? One, are are they going to have an emotional letdown? Is Texas Tech going to have an emotional letdown? Um, are we going to see the OU Adrian Martinez? Are we going to see weeks one through three Adrian Martinez? Are we going to be able to continue to lean on our rush defense and have it be productive and effective enough to keep you in games? Um, I think it would be close. I think if you see uh, Adrian Martinez play more closely the first three weeks, uh, you're going to definitely have a shot to be in this game. Like I said, I'm going to take Tech Tech to cover, but I think it's going to be close. Maybe like a 31-24, 31-28 type of game. Um, Ultimately, right now, until I see differently, I'm going to take Kansas State to take this one. Okay, I which is a, a departure from my preseason prediction. Yeah, um, but um, I I I don't think it's out of you know out of the realm of possibility that you can win this game. Um, you just need to figure some things out, like I said, going on the road, and then what you're going to see defensively or offensively from the Wildcats. Preseason Spencer and preseason Michael would we, we've we've countered each other the last couple of weeks. Uh, I did want to, and I talked, I just spoke in the third person. That's great. I did want to acknowledge, acknowledge quickly, Scott, um, if you're still listening, man, I know how hard it is to root for a guy as your offensive coordinator that played here. And that is, you, you know, a monumental player for your entire college football uh, history. So I sympathize with that a little bit, but at least he's not the head coach because then you really get invested and you really um, you, you start uh, rationalizing a lot more things than maybe you should, and or it, it really makes it hard to to see past certain things. But anyway, that said, I'm going to come back to the prediction. I 
I'm, I'm going to rip the bandaid off. I, I'm like you. And as well as tech came back last week, they really had trouble in the first half. They went down a deficit. Uh, that's going to be hard to do on the road and overcome. It was hard to do at home and overcome. The offense needs to be clicking. I, I really meant to look into this before we started recording, and I'm sorry I didn't, but I wanted to see how well Tech did on first down, at least in the first half. I don't think it was very good. Um, and, and that's just something that we hit on after the NC State game. If that is not clicking, then this offense really has trouble moving the ball. And maybe that's why they just decided to quit punting. Maybe they just decided they needed four downs every every single time because first and 10 always turns into second and 10. But anyway, I digress. Um, I'm I'm still going to be a little bit skeptical, probably because I've been a Red Raider for 20 years. Um, and I know that the uh, it doesn't matter. Me putting something out in the ether is not going to affect how the team wins or loses, but I am going to uh, pick Kansas State to win. This is what I had going into this game from preseason. I did think Kansas State would be rolling in possibly, you know, three and one, but maybe with a loss to OU, not with a loss to Tulane. So that's kind of surprising to me. I had pretty high hopes for Kansas State this this year, and they can still achieve all those just with a, a flip on the loss that I had coming into this. So um, I, I think they're a good team. I think they're really good at running the ball. This is going to be a test for Texas Tech's defense, but Tech's defense passed last week, and I think they'll be able to pass this week. So with that in mind, I'm going with a much lower scoring affair. I think this is almost exactly what I picked for uh, the NC State game. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to have Tech taking the under. Um, the over-under is 57.5. So, I, I mean, I think Kansas State, they're going to score 27. They're going to eat a lot of clock, but then Tech's going to – you know, only be able to get 24 on the board. So I've, I've got it as a three point game too, but quite a bit lower just because I, I don't think that as well as Kansas state runs the ball. I do think Tech's defense is going to give them just enough fits that they're not going to be able to run as well as they um, have been. Yeah. So I, I want to go back really quickly uh, to touch on what you were talking about. This is past week versus Texas. Texas Tech ran 40 first down plays, picked up 137 yards, only good for three and a half yards gained on first down. They were, uh, they ran the ball 18 times for 50 yards. That's 2.8 yards per carry. They attempted 22 passes, completed 13 for 87. Only six first downs made on a first down play. So six of 40 going 10 or plus yards. Uh, and scored two touchdowns on first down. I want now. I wanted to see. <laughs> this is. A, I don't think you could magically come up with this, but whenever Tech uh, averaged more than the three yards per first down, was it on a scoring drive? I wondered if it if it kicked off a scoring drive to if they're averaging three yards on every first down, which is pretty crappy in in my head if they're averaging that every first down um if they're getting four or more does that lead to a scoring drive so i've got some well, research to do and look at but it's just that was something that stuck out to me especially in the first half 
I, I, I can tell you from the, what I was tracking uh, during the game that if you did pick up a first down on a drive, that that drive scored except for when you were stopped on fourth down on the goal line. So every time, okay. every drive you picked up a first down on, you scored on. So you picked up a first down on first down? No, 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 I'm sorry. If you converted a first down on the drive at all, because any other possessions you had, you had three three and outs and then a four and out. You scored on everything else. Oh, I see what you mean. I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I got you. If you picked up even one first down, like it wasn't like you went seven plays and then punted. It was three plays and punt or four plays and turnover and down. Any other drive, you scored. If you move the chains once, the chains kept moving. Like I said, except for when you were stopped on fourth down yeah. on the goal line. Gotcha. Um, we're going to we're gonna wrap up a couple of things. Uh, for our basketball fan, fans out there, the Red Raiders held their first basketball practice this week. Getting so close to basketball season, we're probably just under two months out, uh, six weeks or so. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but getting close to basketball season. Um, I saw that note you put in there. I'm not going to read it. I'm just, just <laughs> laughing at it. Did did see, though, that uh, Ethan Duncan has entered his name into the transfer portal. Uh, not really surprising, especially with uh, the roster we've seen around him. Um, we, didn't, we had, I don't think we talked about it last week, but uh, Fardaz Amac did sustain a foot injury that won't keep him out. Um, it is unclear what that injury was. Some reported as a broken foot. Texas Tech uh, released a statement saying it was just a lower leg injury without a timeline but i was like well if it's a broken foot like bones only take like eight weeks to heal which would get you to about the start of the season and yeah he would be off his foot and he wouldn't be practicing with the team but he'd be coming back and working his way back in during the six weeks of non-con you're going to have uh, I, I didn't think it was that that significant but not sure the extent of the injury or when he'll be able to come back uh, but we will be missing ethan duncan uh, and at least for some part of the season, big man transfer, Fardaz, AMAC. Did you have something else Just, you want? I did have something. The Ethan Duncan news, very interesting timing on this. My boss, who's a Red Raider as well, uh, we were just talking about the game this weekend, and then he started talking about Mark Adams' press conference and about how he was he was praising uh, AMAC and, and just how he – then it, then it was surprised that, you know, he saw about the injury later. And I said, well, I think it happened that day. We just got to talking about the roster and how few were coming back. And we thought it was either three players or four. And we thought, I think it's four because there's the kid from uh, Lubbock. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I started going through the roster. I was like, he's not on the roster. And this was yesterday. And so it had just hit. Yesterday, And so then I went to the news section of, of Texas Tech's website, and it just hit that Ethan Duncan is transferring. So we were probably on the site right bef- right as they took his name off the roster because it would both just Florida. So like, wait, well, what do you mean? He didn't transfer, did he? I don't remember him transferring. And then, yeah, he must have transferred and announced it as we were talking, basically. Anyway, that was just not as interesting to anyone listening except me. But uh, this last tidbit that you hadn't read yet is very interesting because I didn't know this. So uh, Josh Young hit another home run tonight. Oh yeah, sorry. I was like, which which one are you talking about? I was, I was looking at the I was looking at the Texas Tech basketball schedule. One first game is on November seventh, so we we are six weeks out 
from basketball games happening. Um, going through the roster, and, and I'll, I'll know we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this, you know, here in about a month. Um, Kevin O'Banner, Lamar Washington, freshman. Uh, Pop Isaacs is a freshman. Damarian Williams transfer for Gardner Webb. Robert Jennings, a freshman. KJ Allen, Fardaz Amac is a transfer. Daniel Bachum, CJ Williams uh, was a freshman. Jalen Tyson, Elijah Fisher coming in from Canada. Davian Harmon, uh, transfer coming in from Oregon. And before that, Oklahoma. And then Kerwin Walton, transfer from North Carolina. Uh, just a quick rundown of the roster. Ethan Duncan not on it. Um, yeah, was Josh. Was on Digo not on there? <laughs> he hasn't been here forever, dude. I swear he was on the roster I looked at today. You look at the right season? I, 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 he, has, he hasn't been here in a couple of years, I thought. Yeah, it was the right season because O'Banner was at the top. He was at the top last year, too. Oh man. Okay. I'm all, I'm, I've confused myself. It wasn't last year. No, cause on has been, he, he transferred when beard was still here. I swear that was on there earlier today. It must've been messed up. I was like, what? He came back. <laughs> How do I not remember this? Uh, yeah. Not on the 2020 roster. <laughs> oh man. What a weird day. What a weird day on the website. I was like, what's he doing here? Anyway, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Proceed, um, Proceed yeah. with actual things. <laughs> Josh Young, uh, on the road up there in Seattle tonight, hit a home run. I think it's his fourth since his call-up. He's played only 16 games, doing so well uh, as a just newly called-up big leaguer. That's awesome. Um, speaking about a call-up, Michael, I got, a, I got a text last week. About this time last week, our man Rob said, hey, you want to go on a road trip to Andrews? I was like, what are you talking about? He said, hey, my color guy dropped out. I need somebody to go with me to call the Lubbock High versus Andrews football game. I was like, hell yeah, man, let's do it. Uh, game was was pitiful. I, the, but the outcome of the game really had no no uh, impact on like how awesome, how much fun we had. Uh, but we called the Lubbock High Westerners on the road at Andrews Mustangs. Andrews, pretty dang good. They beat Lubbock 64-14. Uh Bad game for for Lubbock when they lost their their you know obviously their their key piece of the offense play number two of the game uh, and then just couldn't get things going but man that was a lot of fun uh, looks like there's a possibility for me to go with him with Rob uh, to their game in Abilene here in about a few weeks a month out but man that was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So did we, we haven't gotten to talk about this. Did you do some actual play by play on the air or were you more just kind of stats or helping out or I, I didn't know. I didn't know how much you were involved because going into it, you weren't quite sure either. So I was, I was a true, uh, color. I was, I was second on the broadcast. Like obviously, uh, Rob was doing play by play, but like he would, you know, give the, the happenings of the play and then he would stop and I would fill in until the next play started with, oh, hey, man, they're, they're, they're back in that formation. They're, they're hitting a lot of power right run, uh, you know, blocking well or what the hell are we doing? Like there's, <laughs> uh, you know, wide you receiver it. can't hit a broadside of the barn type thing. And it was it – wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It was actually a lot better on the fly than me trying to portray how it went. Or maybe it was awful. I don't know. Rob said it was great. I loved it. I had a I had a blast. It was a it was a exciting evening of calling West Texas football uh, homecoming for Andrews 
which gave some interesting time where we were we had extended halftime. Both bands had like a uh, desert and dead tree theme. We wished that the window on the on the radio booth would open so we could actually hear more what they were playing. That radio booth, uh, about the size of my desk right here, which is not a full size desk, uh, it had, had the two of us, those individuals units in that room <laughs> we were rubbing <laughs> shoulders um but it was yeah, actually that's close, the, that's close quarters the ac was blasting it was actually pretty chilly in that in that small room even considering uh the body heat that we were putting off had a blast that's, that's so all i want to say will resume in abilene in a couple weeks possibly yeah when uh when lebekai goes to abilene i can't i'll have to look up their schedule really quickly Did they go to abilene high or abilene cooper they go to uh, Wiley, Abilene Wiley. Oh, Abilene Wiley. Oh, Hugh Sandifer Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. That was the coach that was there when, when Merkel had to play him. Merkel? Yeah. Anyways, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with what we learned. Okay. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't, <clears throat> I don't know either. All right, Michael, I'm going to let you go first. Why? put some thoughts together real quick. Okay. I, we took somehow, I guess probably partially because of a pandemic. And I think it rained all last year. Uh, <laughs> we have a five-year-old and we took her to the fair for the first time today, left work a little early so we could get there and she could ride some rides. We could get, get some food. We could go pet the, the goats and the sheeps and whatever all else and uh, get home in time to, you know, get her in bed because she's in kindergarten and she goes to bed really early. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. She had a great time. Rode her first kind of roller coaster type thing that she's ever been on. And by the end of it, she was waving her hands in the air. And I was like, oh, my nice. gosh, I was I was like holding onto the car still because <laughs> I, I just kind of jokingly said like, hey, you could put your hands in the air. Not thinking it. she was like, yeah. So she was doing it. And I was like, OK, good for you. Good, good for you. I'm fine. Uh, but it was, it was a ton of fun. And the, the main thing I wanted to mention, because I feel like we haven't talked about food for a while on the podcast. So I'm going to bring it back to our, our wheelhouse. I got a corn dog because you go to the fair, you get a corn dog. The brushing on of the mustard is so perfect. Was that not, just, not something that, that you did yourself, that the, the guys in the booth did that for you? Yes. Yes. If you go to the, oh, let's see. It's the easternmost corndog place. <laughs> of course. It's, a, it's like a red trailer. <laughs> it's a red trailer with uh, with white trim, and they have like a small dog for $4, and then the large dog is 5 Oh, and if you get a if you get a water, the water is a dollar, and I just thought, okay, they're going to hand me a, one of those half a liter bottles but no it's like a souvenir plastic cup with their organization on it i'm sure it was a church because this is lubbock but it was you know a, a really nice cup like a rudy's size cup filled with ice water and you could go get refills and stuff if you wanted if you were there for a while anyway go check them out and they brush the mustard on of course they'll ask you you don't have to have it that way but that's so much easier than the fumbling because you're always carrying like five things. Somehow my five-year-old, my wife had bought her like some <laughs> some blow-up unicorn. 
I don't even know where it came from. <laughs> so we, we were all juggling all these things. But the thing, one thing I didn't have to worry about was if there was enough mustard on my hot dog because it was painted on. It's beautiful. Excellent touch. What'd you learn? When we, I, really quick, when we went to the fair, I think we went last year. Yes, because we had Hayden with us. Uh, we went for lunch one day without without Grayson. I also got a corn dog because that's that's like what I'm going for. I want a corn dog and yes. a funnel cake, really. That's what we did, <laughs> and we got fried cheese. We we had a fried cheese too. Um, I was there eating corn dog, and I was having no. I I didn't dip. I went to the station where you just pump it on. I just drew a line on myself. What ended up happening is I dropped a, a good glob of mustard into my shirt and was See? blessed with a mustard stain for <laughs> quite some time. If you go with the brush method, that doesn't happen. It's just such a such a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, trying to figure out, because I think we're going to go to the corn maze this week, too. Uh, but the fair also wraps up this week. So we, 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 may be, uh, we may be doing fair lunch without Grayson again. And then corn maze, like, Thursday night. Yeah, I might go to the fair again <laughs> just for lunch one day. Oh, I did get a, a fried pie on the way out. I got a peach fried pie. Delicious. But one of the things I really like to get there, too, are the fresh uh, chicharrones, which we didn't get this time. I'm not sure why, but probably because we would both have devoured them. But anyway, that's something we didn't get. And, oh, that place that makes a really good cheeseburger. It's got the screen door on the little trailer. It's a white trailer. There was a lot of good food there. It looked it looked good. I, I could have really get, made myself sick. Forgot how how short lived the the fair is. We we have gone as an office before. Our, our department's gone before. Yes, I haven't even heard about it this year. So it was like when, when someone said, "Hey, if we're gonna go to the fair, it needs to be like now because the only run, it will close on Saturday." And I was like, "We're all we're all booked up on Saturday. Uh, we've got plans for Sunday di- or not Sunday dinner, family dinner on Friday night." It's like. Well, if we're doing the corn maze on Thursday, we'll have to find a, a lunch to go to because Samantha's involved with uh, the young women's organization of, of our church. She's one of the, the leaders for that group. So she's, you know, booked up Wednesday night and got corn maze Thursday. Oh, yeah. Family it's, dinner it's, Friday. It's like it's going to be lunch. is a happening time, man. Yeah. For everybody. Grayson and I together, this is my eight-year-old, went to the eye doctor's his first time. Uh, new, obviously, as parents, you know, we both have lifelong glasses wears, right? Like we we started wearing glasses second, first, second, or third. I can't remember exactly when. It was really early on in life. He's now in third grade. Uh, hasn't complained of like headaches, but like there have been times when he gets really close to whatever he's reading. Is like, yeah, okay, it's probably time. <laughs> so we get there and we're kind of laughing with the doctors. Like, yeah, well, the the pediatrician had one of the signs in the office. They do a quick, you know, eye check, more or less to say. Hey, like it looks like he may need to go to the eye doctor because that, that, that happened on one of his last will checks. Anyways, went to the eye doctor today. He's like, yep, he's going to need glasses. Like sweet on the way out. He was actually really excited about it. Um, picked out the frames, uh, all on his own. Love them. They're like little Ray-Bans, uh, nice. uh, plastic frames with the, the little silver on the front, but they're black. Sharp glasses, man. Um, disappointed though that we found out the the doctor we went to their their lab that does the glasses is actually based out of Florida. So when I asked him like, hey, what's oh. turnaround on, on these lenses? Like, well, it's usually about like five business days, but we're we're extending that another week because of the storm coming. I was like, oh yeah, right. Yes. And then I got to tell him the story. To be at a conference in Orlando on Sunday. How's that going to go? I have no idea yet. <laughs> so we've already gotten an email like uh, we are monitoring the situation 
vote of confidence email kind of thing. And like, okay, yeah, let's, let's see how this goes. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to tell them the story. like, Hey, when I first got my glasses, we went to like lens crafters in the mall. Like I picked up my frames and we took a tour, went to get, go, go grab lunch and they were done in an hour. None of this waiting for two weeks nonsense. So he was a little bummed leaving that he didn't have his, his new glasses with him. A uh, little eight year old looks sharp in these, these frames, but yeah, man, get on that, that train a little early in life with him starting glasses. I, I say early, like I said, we had it real early on. Well, 30 years before me. Yeah. So good job. But he'll be, he'll be in glasses here pretty soon. Loved it. Uh, anyways, that'll do it for us here on the 23 personnel podcast. Excited that we were able to have Scott join us, get you guys ready for the Kansas state game this weekend for Michael. I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.